Welcome to the Transformation Cafe with your host, Robin Misevich. Transformation Cafe, a weekly half hour of light, topical conversation about health, wellness, happiness, personal growth, spirituality, and other insights. We're glad you're here. Transformation Cafe, a fun place to nourish your soul. Now, let's get started and introduce our diners for tonight's show. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the Transformation Cafe. I am your host, Robin Misevich, and my wonderful co-host, Miss Amy Frost, is with us tonight. Hey, Amy, how are you tonight? Nobody loves me. I don't love anybody. I need help. I think you need some compassion. I think that's a really good. We're doing pillar number seven from the Book of Joy, which is compassion. And, you know, the good yeah. news is that, you know, it's as basic as human nature, that is really good. So that's that's a that's a wonderful thing to be knowing on that stuff. So, so yeah, we're we're in pillar number seven. There's actually eight pillars of uh, the book of joy, eight pillars of joy. Uh, four, just to kind of remind everybody, the first four were uh, mental practices, and then the last four are from the heart. And boy, we've just been having some really good. Last week we did the pillar the pillar of gratitude. And this week we're doing the pillar of compassion. So I just think, you know, and I really love how in knowing the different dynamics of each of these things, you just see how they complement and really, you know, like fold into one another. And I really love that. How about you, Aim? Yeah, I do. And, and, and interesting, I'm getting texts and phone calls and emails that people are really enjoying this process. A good friend of mine who works for the uh, Veterans administration she works with one-on-one with veterans and in groups and she got it from our you know podcast started doing the book and now she has clients doing it and so it's spreading and spreading and spreading so that's pretty exciting i'm so glad guys because this is like um just this is an award-winning book now it's it's well it went up for nomination for best spiritual book of the year and it's been basically winning all kinds of accolades for just all the wonderful information that's out there and you know i think people just really want that confirmation that you know they're not crazy and yes there's just so much to be grateful and thankful for and that you know joy is a choice and boy it it just shows over and over again with all these different dynamics of just these different um, aspects of joy and what they really are. And a lot of them, you know, and the, the one thing I love and I know that you love is that, you know, it's not all airy fairy and it's not all fuzzy and warm. But it, it really deals with just where am I in this moment and how can I be able to, you know, be able to embrace this in a way that can, you know, hopefully be nurturing to myself and others at the same time. And I think that's one thing that this book really addresses it and really helps us to be able to just kind of unpack it and look at it in really dynamic ways. So right off the bat on uh, uh, with the, the first the first page here with a chapter that's talking about that, which is on 251, it talks about, you know, compassion, you know, being something we want to become. And boy, it says too much self-centered thinking is the source of suffering. A compassionate concern for others. Well-being is the source of happiness. This is on this planet over the last 3000 years, different religion, religious traditions developed. All these traditions carry the same message, the message of love. So the purpose of this different tradition is to promote and strengthen the value of love and compassion. So different medicine, but the same aim, to, to um, cure our pain and our illness. 
And as we mentioned, even scientists are now basically saying that compassion is part of our human nature. And I really love that. You know, it's a showing that, you know, it's an instinctual thing that we really want to be caring for one another. And it even goes back to the womb. Boy, we're going to talk about that in a little bit about, you know, some of the, they really unpack this and look at um, the definition of com- of compassion and things like that, too. And I really appreciated, too, that they were saying that, you know, we're actually hardwired to feel connected and wanting to be caring for one another. So what did you think about that, Aim? Well, I'd like to take it even a step further. Um, Daniel, okay. Daniel Goleman wrote the book Social Intelligence, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a really good read. I think it's a compliment to what we're doing. But here he talks about how neuroscience has discovered that our brains, by very design makes it sociable. We're drawn to an intimate brain-to-brain link-up whenever we engage with another person. The neural brain lets us impact the brain and so the body by everyone we interact with just as they do us. So they're, they're, we really are literally hardwired to want to connect with each other. Mm, isn't that interesting? You know, to me, I kind of go, well, of course we are. But I mean, it's it's like I said, it's really nice to have these confirmations of a just a sense of like, you know, like I knew that I, I always knew that, you know, that kind of thing. And then looking, you know, we were talking about the definition of compassion. He said, compassion is a sense of concern that arises when we are confronted with another suffering and feel motivated to see the suffering re- relieved. Compassion is what connects us to the feeling of empathy to the acts of kindness, generosity, and other expressions of altruistic tendencies. And, and what's interesting, I think, is the, the uh, Hebrew word for compassion is Rashamin, Rashman. I think it's R-A-C-H-A-M-I-M, which is the root word for womb. And I thought that was very interesting. And um, the Dalai Lama often says that he believes it's the form of mother's nurturing that what we learn, we learn com- compassion in the womb. And boy, isn't that an interesting aspect to think about. I've been getting nurtured this whole time. I was thinking about that today. I was walking around Best Buy, believe it or not. And when I, uh, I noticed that they had a bunch of new gadgets and stuff like that for raising kids. And they have this new little, it's like almost like a car seat, but you know, when the kids are really little, um, keeping them in some kind of a little chair or whatever. And this chair actually rocks back and forth. And I thought, you know, when, when, when my kids were little, you know, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there that can relate is your, your kid just isn't happy and you finally have to throw them in the car. Well, not throw them in the car, put them in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in the well, car, and and you know, yeah, a few people like going, uh, child, child endangerment. We're throwing him in the car. No, that you know, you can put him in the car and drive him around, and they'll go to sleep. So it's that motion, the humming, and the and the movement, and all that kinds of stuff. And I I thought about that. Well, like, well, you're in your room, you're you know, you're walking around, and your mom's moving you around all the time, and all of a sudden you come out into the world, and they just like set you someplace, and you're not moving anymore. Well, wouldn't you feel like, uh, I feel like I need to move. I thought that was really kind of a and I was like, boy, I wish I would have had that when my kids were little. You know, you always think of all these things after the, after your kids are grown. And you're like, I would have loved to have that. But anyway, so it's that, you know, the humming and the moving and all that kinds of stuff that just uh, gives you that, you know, connection to yourself. And again, here they're talking about comp- compassion just starting in the womb. I thought that was really kind of a neat comparison to putting that all together. So and then on page uh, 253, it says it probably takes many years of monastic practice to equal the spiritual growth of generations of one sleepless night with a sick child. Uh, the Dalai Lama talks about um, he was on a flight where he was going from Japan to San Francisco one night, and it's that red eye, and it was a parent, two parents that had 
like a three-year-old and then an infant. And the three-year-old was just wanting, you know, he had a, he had a three-year-old energy just running all over the place. And the dad was trying to keep him busy for a while. And the mom, you know, the a baby sometimes has a real hard time on a plane. But uh, after a while, the dad conked out. And here the mother was trying to take care of a three-year-old and an infant at the same time. And boy, the Dalai Lama was just like, um, I think this takes some special skills I haven't cultivated. <laughs> <laughs> to see this, to see me be, be taking care of a child, you know, when you just, all you want to do is sleep, but you've got this child to take care of. So, you know, if you're, if you're a parent and have had those situations, you definitely know what a different level of compassion for yourself and also for your child when you have those kind of, you know, nights that don't seem to end. That's for sure. Well, what comes to me too is if you're related, right, to that child, that there's a special, I would imagine, I don't, I don't have children. I have children I'm close to, but I don't have biological children. That if you had biological children, that there is a there's a a bond that would make it easier to be with that. Is that true, or am I making that up? No, I I I just a need for care. I think because uh, like you know I have two children, and boy, I had one. My younger one, she you know in in her second year. I mean, every night she woke up about two three o'clock in the morning, and she just she needed to be held, and it was like just an ongoing thing for just months at a time that, you know, I'd had to get up and, and rock her for a while and have her just, you know, we'd have to cuddle and I'd have to keep moving, you know, thank God for lazy boys. But I would just, you know, we both just kind of rest and I would rock her for like over an hour every night just because, you know, in the middle of the night, she'd just wake up and need to be comforted. So that was something that, you know, I was glad for her to get out of her twos. <laughs> yeah, no, I finally was able to sleep through the night and actually, you know, you know, be able to get some rest. But yeah, so it's just for whatever reason, we just have stuff to go through. Well, part of it too it comes to me with the you know their the special relationship when you know you you're biologically connected. If you can, and they talk about this, and we're going to work on it a little bit later, that if you can really get that we really are related, right? We really are family. We really are one. I think it does make it easier to feel compassion. And we're and we're back to where we seem to always end up, my dear, is that if you're not compassionate with yourself, odds are you're not mm-hmm. going to be real compassionate with others and I think that's going to be a reoccurring theme is like check with self first and then you can reach out and that's going to be doing an exercise that will help do that but I want to come back to the uh, Goldman and the the social intelligence he talks about and I'm not sure if he calls it this but this is what I call it I think he does uh, it's a mirroring uh, neuron which I would like to call the compassion neuron in our brains that Mm -hmm. when see somebody in need, you start moving towards it. It isn't like it's, I'm going to think about this. It's like you, you cannot help yourself. That's why, you know, on the, when the, the, the different ads for, to get you to donate, they're showing you pictures, mm-hmm. right, that your neuron starts going off, and you start reaching for that phone or go to the computer to start donating. So, mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. do it through stories. They do it through pictures, Right. So there is a part of us that I I think they call it a mirroring neuron, but it's I really think it's a compassion neuron that's inside that mm-hmm. m- makes us start moving in that direction. I mean, certainly I think if there's wounding, and if you don't work on it, you can you're, train yourself to shut that off. But I I believe that that's really part of our, you know who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you look into the science of, you know, because one thing I really love about every one of these pillars on the in the end of all these chapters, there's always this really nice nugget of research that they put along with it to just kind of seal the deal of like what's really been going on. 
and it calls it the three degree of separation instead of a six or whatever. And I think actually that's shrinking anyway. We talked about that a couple of years ago about six degrees of separation and actually it's gotten faster and closer. But anyway, the three degree basically talks about that. It's like, you know, you got a significant other connection and it's like the more you're compassionate, the more it actually cascades and ripples out to, you know, your, your sphere of influence. So, you know, your, your immediate family and then, you know, your, you know, extended family and then gets into your friends and your community when it comes to levels of, you know, how much are you willing to be compassionate? And I think this goes a light right along with just some of the other pillars that we've talked about, because it's that holding on to um, being able to be in a place of being generous and being in a place of like, we talked about forgiveness. And boy, with forgiveness, it was that holding of like, if I can break the chain of any kind of abuse that's happening and come from levels of being able to be forgiving and coming from a level of being compassionate, it really breaks those negative habits, those negative vibrations that are lower density that can really just move us into just being able to be in just an easier operating um systems when it comes to that and being able to resonate with people in a different way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, well, and this kind of goes with it, kind of not. In page 258, at the beginning of that last paragraph, he talks about how compassion, is all, can, it seems to be contagious. When we see others being compassionate, we're more likely to be compassionate. And I think that's true. You know, I, I, I think it, mm-hmm. it kind of kicks off something in us and going, oh. It's always that people love that you know watching videos, right? That, that showing people being kind, doing things, and I think it it helps us to go again. Okay, maybe I need to look at that too. Well, and I think it kind of goes, not even think, I know it comes back to the golden rule. I mean, I want to treat others the way, you know, I would want them to treat me. So when it comes to levels of, you know, being generous or kind or compassionate, you know, being able to just kind of be present with somebody, what a great gift that is, you know, being able to, um, on whatever level, being able to be available, engaged with people and really being in that moment with somebody depending what they have going on. One thing that I thought was great, too, is it talks about this natural high that you have that it's like, you know, I scratch your back and you scratch mine. And, you know, research has shown that when we help another, we often experience what they call a helper's high. And it's actually been shown that there's endorphins that are released in our brain that create that euphoric state. And the same reward centers of the brain, they seem to light up when we're doing something compassionate. So, you know, there's that same area of the brain, same kind of thing when it comes to activities that are, um, and they said that it's even, even can be activated by chocolate. So there you go. Compassion through chocolate. Okay. <laughs> well, so it's, you know, it's that warm. Yeah, I'm being compassionate. Well, it's kind of like uh, I think of uh, the Big Bang Theory, how, you know, they're always giving each other tea, cups of tea you know, when something bad happens. <laughs> that whole compassion thing. Maybe it's hot chocolate. I don't know. Get that chocolate thing going with the serotonin. But those, you know, you've got hormones that are being released that helped, you know, and then they, they, they relate it back to hormonal connections that you have with your mom when it comes to lactating, you know, when it breastfeeding. Got this big connection of all these things in, and still having it coming back to a mother's nurturing, you know, depending on how that how that was for you. So it's, you know, it's got these health benefits that include reducing inflammation and helping with your heart system. And compassion literally means it makes your heart healthy and happy. So boy, just just like with all these other pillars, when there's a, you know just just a um, a sense of like you know let me be with this and practice this, you know, definitely can really be a health factor that really can benefit you and just um, you know psychologically and physically. So that's really cool. So do you want to talk about uh, the fears of the fears of compassion, Abe? 
Well, you certainly can. Why don't you go for it? <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting because if you go on page uh, 259, there's, you know, the, part of the reason that they think people hold back from compassion is because there's um, there's these fears of being experiencing suffering or vulnerability or helplessness when you really are being vulnerable, when you're being open hearted. And um, psychologist Paul Gilbert had said, you know, really wants people to understand that, you know, that the being afraid um, is of compassion is just uh, just a, an advantage that helps you that they think they're going to be becoming dependent on them. They won't be able to handle distress and things like that. And compassion is really a very a powerful state that we want to be. It's, you know, when we're able to be there for another person, it really empowers ourselves at the same time. Because, you know, sometimes we give to another what we really need for ourselves. So it's just like being self-compassionate with ourselves. And um, boy, some of this was so reflective to me of like some of the benefits of doing 12-step. Because, you know, when you get a sponsor, you know, a, a sponsor is really going to be there to be compassionate, to be that loving ear, to be that strong heart of a person that can call you on different situations that you have and hopefully giving you some clarity of what's really kind of going on, gone with you and being able to use just the guidelines of the steps and having being something that, you know, in, you know, inviting you to go back to different processes, you know, whether it's, you know, self-reflection or going to ask someone else for forgiveness and things like that. So, you know, and then along with that, too, is um, another aspect of the fear of compassion is that, you know, when it comes to others of being afraid of that others may will want to have you, you know, it's like if I do something in compassion with you, you're going to want to think that I need to do something in return. It's not a matter of just me being compassionate in, you know, that gesture. Um, you know, like you're going to want something from me because I'm being compassionate instead of just allowing it to just to do whatever it does and that they know there's no kind of a payback that needs to happen. So I think it's just really good to, you know, I'm aware of these different aspects that I might have um, seen patterned in my family or friends in the past, but that doesn't you know, mean that I need to stay in those ways and just really evaluate what's true for me. I think that's really a, a wonderful way of being able to do that. And then it goes right into the self-compassion, you know, being, being very connected to self-acceptance. And the Dalai Lama was very fascinated to see that Westerners really are, um, have a harder time when it comes to self-love and self-compassion. So anything with that, with the uh, other books, Amy, that you want to share? Well, I just want to go back to the, to the fear issue and uh, being mm-hmm. afraid. I think it's a valid concern. When you, and you talk about the 12-step program, I think that mm-hmm. codependent no more, right, is something that you mm-hmm. need to look at. Because I think if you're not mm-hmm. careful, you know, you can really get caught up in being so ensnarled in their, you know, in what they're going through, that, yeah, it could be a problem. But if, you know, you're doing the work, it doesn't have to be a problem. And I want to look at on, on 259 there, that second paragraph, I think this is an interesting distinction that most people don't make between empathy and compassion. And they're talking about here that empathy is simply experiencing another's emotions. Compassion is a more empowered state where we want what is best for the other person. So I think it's not just walking in their shoes, but it's really going to a higher place with that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really does. You know, it's 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 just like with some of my some of my friends, you know, well they'll be talking about where they are with whatever and you know, I really seek to come from just a an empowered hopefully an empowered perspective of like, wow, you had that insight, isn't that great? You know, it isn't helping you to understand. I said it's helping me to understand something knowing that, you know, you're being able to tell me how it is for you. 
So it's it's even coming from beyond. I see the struggle, and I'm so glad that you can let me know how that is for you because it helps me to understand you and and myself even better. And I think it's careful not to. Uh, Carolyn Mays talks about woundology, and that a mm-hmm. lot of times that's where we have learned to connect. Oh, you think that's bad? This happened to me. Oh, you think that's bad? Mm-hmm. This happened to me. That's not compassion or empathy either, you know? So um, maybe a little empathy, right? But when it, it mm-hmm. comes, you're starting, then it becomes a contest where I think true compassion is in unconditional love or tied together. Yeah, exactly. So on uh, 261, yeah, let's tie, let's tie this up with a little bow, and then we I make sure we have some time to do the exercise. So let's go back uh, I did want to say this, though. So. Okay, go ahead. Well, just on, on 260 there, it just reinforces a point that we've already made. It talks about right in, before the, the last paragraph, lack of self-compassion manifests in a harsh and judgmental relationship with ourselves. And if you can, again, we talked about earlier, if you can't be unconditionally loving, if you cannot be forgiving of yourself, you're probably not going to be compassionate with yourself nor anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, with the Archbishop and the Dalai Lama, they both were talking throughout this, you know, because, like, we have to remember this book was literally comprised of just all these conversations that's happened in, in a week, which I think is amazing, but just, boy, just such an opportunity of, of these two together. And if you haven't watched the videos of them two playing and talking to each other, it's just joy anyway. They just have such a good time. It's such a bromance, the way they love to just be with each other and enjoy each other's energy. But, the, you know, the core of the paradox of the happiness is that the most we are most joyful when we focus on others and not ourselves. In short, bringing joy to others is the fastest way to experience joy once, uh, for oneself. As the Dalai Lama said, even 10 minutes of meditation on the well-being of others can help one feel joyful all day long. And he was cute to say, he said, even before your coffee. And I think that's really good to say that. So, so when we close our eyes, we cannot be, when we close our heart, we cannot be joyful. When we have the courage to live with an open heart, we're able to feel our pain and the pain of others. But we are also able to experience more joy. The bigger and warmer our heart, the stronger our sense of aliveness and resilience. Boy, I thought that was really wonderful. So, so let's, let's do a practice of uh, compassion. So I want everybody to consider that let's try this 10 minutes of meditation maybe every day for a week and see how it does affect your having a joyful day. And, you know, it's like, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? If it's not, then stop doing it. But I think it's worth trying. So I have done a lot of Buddhist practice in, in, in my life, and that this is very much a, a standard Buddhist practice. So we're going to walk through it. And um, so it starts on page 337, it's the Compassion Meditation, and he talks about cultivating compassion for even 10 minutes a day can lead to 24 hours of joy. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good rate of return. So just for me, mm-hmm. just a I that's pretty good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we should look at that. So why don't you relax, Robin, and uh, do this with me, and we'll see where we go. All right, are you ready? Okay, sounds great. So, yourself nice and comfortable. Take several long breaths through your nose and follow this through for a minute of breathing awareness. In through your nose, out through your mouth. 
Now think of someone you love very much, a relative, a friend, or a pet. Try to either see their face in your mind's eye or feel their presence. And notice how your heart feels when you think of them. Feel whatever arises. If you feel warmth, tenderness, or affection, stay with those feelings. If not, just stay with the thought of your loved one. Silently say the following lines. May you be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you find peace and joy. Breathe in. And as you breathe in, imagine a warm light coming from the center of your heart, carrying your love to your loved one and bringing them peace and joy. Rejoice in the thought of your loved one's happiness for a minute or more. Remember when this person was having a difficult time. Notice what it feels like to experience their pain. Does your heart ache? Do you have the feeling of unease in your stomach or a desire to help? Simply notice the feelings and stay with them. Silently offer the following. May you be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you find peace and joy. Imagine that a warm light emerges from the center of your heart and touches the person who you have in mind, easing their suffering. Finish with the heartfelt wish that they are be free of suffering. Now I want you to think of a time when you experienced great difficulty and suffering, when you were a child or perhaps even now. Place your hand on your heart and notice feelings of warmth, tenderness, and caring towards yourself. Reflect on the fact that just like all people, you want to be happy and free of suffering. Silently offer the following phrases. May I be free from suffering. May I be healthy. May I be happy. May I find peace and joy. Imagine someone you either like or dislike, someone you might see frequently at work or at the store or at the gym, but do not have strong positive or negative feelings towards. Reflect on the fact that just like all people, this person wants to be happy and free of suffering. Imagine this person facing suffering in conflict with a loved one or experiencing despair or grief. Allow your heart to feel warmth, tenderness, and caring for this person. Then, an urge to help them. Silently offer the following. May you be free from suffering. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you find peace and joy. Reflect on the fact that everyone on the planet has a fundamental desire to be happy and to be free from suffering. Fill your heart with the desire that all be free of suffering, perhaps even someone with whom you have a difficult relationship, and silently repeat repeat these phrases. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be happy. May all beings find peace and joy. 
Allow your feelings of compassion and concern to fill your heart and fill the warmth, tenderness, and caring. Radiate this feeling of compassion out into the world. So, welcome back. So, how are you doing, Robin? Really good. Gosh, it's just a really, gosh, it just feels like it just really balances everything out. You know, mm-hmm. it's quite a balancing exercise. I was going to say, it reminds me of a, another saying that with that too is like, and this too. And this too. Mm-hmm. And this too. You know, when it comes to the practice of all that, once you're, you know, been familiar with the, the different phrases and things like that, you know, when you have just going through your day saying, and this too. You know, whether good and bad, good and this too. For just being a place of, you know, compassion and gratitude. So, so next week we're going to be doing the pillar of generosity. It's like we are filled with joy. So looking forward to that. And, and um, you know, as always, want to thank our audience for, you know, joining us. Thank you, Miss Amy. Oh, just one thing real quick. On page 341, sure. the Archbishop, um, his, what he does for compassion is he, he fasts. And now what he does, he fasts, having hot chocolate fast. Oh, nice. So you might want to join him there. I think so, too, considering that, you know, chocolate can really help to get all that going on with the joy, your joy thing going on there. So, so that's you know, another, you know. There's another spiritual practice, hot chocolate fast. Hot chocolate fasting. Okay. I had not heard of that one before. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> and especially in the cafe, we do have hot chocolate. So that's a wonderful thing, too. So, Yeah, exactly. And as always, we want to thank you guys for joining us here at the cafe. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Transformation Cafe podcast. To learn more, visit transformation-cafe.com for show notes, guest information, and links to previous shows. You can also subscribe to the Transformation Cafe podcast on iTunes. Join us again next time at the Transformation Cafe, a fun place to nourish your soul.